0: Right here, right now. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski. The Packers lost a very close game, 25-24, to on Sunday to the Atlanta Falcons. And while many believe the Falcons are a sneaky good team this year, a team that's maybe even expected to win their division, I would disagree, even if they do win their division. I do not think this is a good football team. And this game truly highlighted many known weaknesses for the Packers. The first being our run defense and just our ability to tackle, which is step one of being a defender uh many hoped after a week one a big win against the bears this joe berry defense was different it could stop the run things have changed but like i tried to tell everyone do not overhype this team especially this defense against what i consider to be one of the worst teams in the nfl being the chicago bears last week we stopped the run the bears were one of the least efficient teams running the football but that was the bears they they're awful and the packers still struggled to tackle well in that game and what has been true of the packers for the last decade was true again on sunday we can't tackle and we can't stop the run. In this game, the Packers allowed a 48.7% run success rate to the Falcons in that game, which would have been the best success rate in the NFL all of last season. The Falcons pounded the ball down the Packers' throat in this game, and our defensive line could do nothing about it. Not one of our five interior defensive linemen that played in this game made literally any sort of impact when it came to the ground game. And you might say, well, that's not how they're built. Sure, the Packers are built to stop a high-volume passing attack, so these guys are all pass rushers, but you have to look at your opponents. You have to look at the NFC and say, hey, the Eagles, the 49ers, these are two teams you have to get through if you want to make it to the Super Bowl. And those teams will run it down your throat for the entire game if they want to, if you don't stop them. So I'm a little frustrated. We don't have a single, a single interior defense lineman who can make an impact as a run defender when we need it. The Packers gave up 221 rushing yards, a total of 446 yards of offense to the Falcons, and that's just not okay. And the worst part, is this Falcons passing attack is led by Desmond Ritter. He was awful. He looked so bad, and he was so flustered anytime he had to drop back and pass in this game, literally throwing it up to our defenders. Quay Walker, Jai Alexander missed interceptions in the game. That should have been obvious turnovers. Rasul got one, but still, Ritter is bad. He had four turnover-worthy plays in this game, and we should have been able to stop the one part of this offense we were scared of being the run game, and we couldn't even though the Packers tried to, and that's not okay. A defensive performance like this is why Joe Barry should not have made it another season in green Bay. If the Packers were trying to win a Super Bowl, which they claim they're trying to win this season, they should have hired a Vic Fangio. If they were trying to play the long game, they should have hired a zero who went to the Panthers and at least hired Jim Leonard. There were three high quality options out there and the Packers should have jumped on one of those opportunities to upgrade this coaching staff, especially in what I consider to be a transition year, as it usually takes a defensive coordinator two seasons to really put it all together with a new group. Now, we are going into 2024, most likely with a new defensive coordinator, but that guy will probably take a year to really get this whole defense on the same page, and the Packers, offensively, might be ready to compete next year, which will be really frustrating if our defense is still having issues as they adjust to a new coach once again. This defense should have been handled last offseason and now the Packers are going to be paying the price in our safeties our interior d- defensive alignment on Sunday totally looked out of sorts in that game and it makes you question how this team is also being built not investing in any safeties and then truly questioning the players Gutekinds has drafted on the interior defensive line since his arrival oh yeah by the way, Jalen Carter is the third highest interior defense lineman in the NFL right now with an elite grade after two weeks. He's just looking like the best player in the 2023 NFL draft. Like exactly like we thought while Devontae Wyatt had a 45.4 PFF grade on Sunday in his second year in the NFL. They even gave him a year to mature before playing. Not hurt. This is just who Devontae Wyatt is and it's not good. And <laughs> it's frustrating when you see Jalen Carter was right there, ready to be traded up for, which we've seen. Brad Goodkins is willing to trade up for his guy, and Jordan Love, you know, had an opportunity to trade up for Jalen Carter, and that just seems like a big mistake here. Inexperience also played a big role in this game on the first drive alone. We saw Jordan Love and Luke Musgrave not being on the same page again. Then Rashid Walker, who was starting in place of David Jerry get a false start. Then Jordan Love throws it right to a defensive tackle. Luckily, he didn't pick it off. Then we had to delay a game on the field goal try, which forced Matt LaFleur to punt it instead of kick the field goal. Momentum is a real thing, and we could have started out this game really in control had we been able to cut down on one or two of these mistakes, but that's what this team is, especially this offense. It's young. They're going to make mistakes. We talked about this prior to the season beginning. This team at times is going to look like one of the worst offenses in the NFL because they... Are just going to be beating themselves. And this was one of those moments and the Packers had every opportunity to win this game, but they could not close it out. We were winning by 12 points at the start of the fourth quarter and Jordan Love and this offense finished the game like this on their last two drives, three and out, three and out, four and out. I actually was excited to see Jordan Love with this opportunity to go and win the game with 57 seconds left on the clock. All he needed was a field goal. He needed about 40 yards. Uh, because this game i thought he played much better than he did last week he had a couple of just beautiful perfect throws in this game like the touchdown that didn't happen i think it was to Dontavian uh don wicks or malik keith but just he put it exactly where it had to go just perfect defense though to break it up but i was impressed at times in this game with jordan love and his stats say he leads the nfl in qb rating which is pretty insane considering that these are his first two true real starts if you really think about it um that stat does not tell the whole story, though. Don't get too excited about Jordan Love because he's not there yet. He is playing well. I think he's. Oh, well, I think he's playing average. I think he's. I think his offense is playing well. Um, because it doesn't take into account mistakes by the defense, like dropping interceptions. That's the problem with things like QB rating. That's why we use PFF. Um, and at the end, when it mattered the most, Jordan Love, incomplete pass four times in a row, and it was pretty disappointing. I've heard. Hall of Fame QBs like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, say on those types of drives, it's so important to get that first easy completion, even if it's just a five to seven yard gain and you don't even get the first down because then you're just in the mode and you're starting to push down the field and making some progress. But Jordan Love throws like 15 plus yards down the field, three plays in a row and just misses like it wasn't even close. Then on the fourth down has a great throw, but into like double coverage. So it goes incomplete and the Packers lose this game. I'd like to see Jordan love with more talent, a fully healthy squad around him. One elite receiver that might be Chris Watson. I'm not sure if that is him yet, but the thing about Jordan that is so hard to watch is that it seems like he's predeciding where he's going with the football in life. It's great to pre-decide. It is not good to pre-decide in football. If you ever played Madden, that's how you throw a ton of interceptions. He's like, this is the read on the play. I throw the ball here. It's not like he's reading the defense. It feels like, um, at times it feels the, the, the he's it feels like he's deciding before the play even happens what he's going to do and when you do that you put the ball in harm's way a ton and he did in this game and he got lucky again this week he left the game with no interceptions but he put the ball in harm's way at the start on that screen that I, screen that he threw right to a defensive tackle the defensive pass interference on the terribly underthrown ball to Romeo Dobbs totally could have been inter- intercepted and then the second half he had a throw that could have been intercepted as well when Dobbs is wide open but throws to Wicks on this play who was not open whatsoever these types of decisions seem to be predecided, and when you have perfect play call perfect play designer it looks awesome okay Matt LaFleur so so good but when you guess wrong on what the defense is going to do or you don't react in real time you're also going to have times when you throw a ton of interceptions and so that's just what I'm fearful of. When I look at Jordan Love play so far this season, what he's been able to do on the field, it just feels and what I'm seeing on the game tape is this. It's, it's not him reading out the defense. Maybe it is one or two reads, but it's him kind of being like, this is where the football is going to go. And he chucks it. And he chucks it good and he's confident. But he's getting lucky and I'm worried we're going to have a, a couple big games this year where it's just three interceptions. Two interceptions, you know, because he's just not reacting. He's not reading. Um, and I think elite quarterbacks are able to <clears throat> not only be ready pre-snap, but be able to adjust um when the ball snapped as well. And then just the inexperience in the big moments. Jordan Love as well on the fourth and one play, Jordan Love in his head thought he was calling a QB snake. He called the wrong thing. He gave the wrong call to the rest of the offense and so he tried to take it for a QB sneak and he said, said the exact opposite thing Thing, so no one else did anything except him and let's, leads to the false start um they don't get the first down and they had to call to do another punt on one of those final drives so but one thing I will say on those drives the Packers tried to run out the clock um First of all, the Packers don't have a good run blocking offensive line. Okay. Every offensive lineman they have drafted are not run blockers run blockers. They weren't in college and they don't become that in the NFL. They are athletic guys, but they're pass blocking offensive linemen. We are not built to run the ball, run the football, believe it or not, even if they say they want to be a team that runs the football. We have a 55.6 run blocking grade on the year, which is not very good. Okay. 65 is pretty much average. So anyways, we but anyways, we're trying to run the clock, but we can't because the guy we decided also to invest a second round pick in, A.J. Dillon, who is huge, supposed to be our bell cow, short yardage back, wins in the fourth quarter. He can't stay on his feet. He can't get yards after first contact right now. And it's extremely disappointing. He's dropping passes. All he can do right now is pass block. This is why you don't invest big draft capital or a big contract in a running back because this is year four and A.J. Dillon is already losing it. This is the reason why you sign several undrafted free agent running backs or seventh round picks because there are guys who are capable of being quality NFL running backs. Save those top picks for other positions that are harder to find every year. Good team builders, I believe, 100%. Good team builders should be able to find an undrafted running back and an undrafted fullback slash tight end type of player who uh, can make your roster and make a big impact be a quality addition um, without having to spend any big money or any draft capital, because you are getting these guys as undrafted free agents and going into that uh, one big mistake, which I'm kind of frustrated with, with Matt Lafleur in his coaching decisions is we were terrible at running the football, but our early down Pass success rate was 67% yesterday, but we're just, I think actually 67% on the season. Okay. But we're just not doing it enough. Matt LaFleur is allowing Jordan Love to run the football on first and second down a ton. Okay. We have a neutral, um, our pass rate on first and second downs is the third lowest rate in the NFL. So on early downs, we run the football, the third most of any team in the NFL that includes teams like the Falcons who we just played, who run the football constantly, the Titans. Okay. So we are up there trying to run the ball so, so much, but we're not good at it. And yet at the very same time, our early down pass success rate is 67%. If we want our offense to be better, we have to look at the numbers and we have to say, Hey, we are really good on neutral downs, passing the football. Let Jordan love throw the ball. Then, don't put him in situations where he's always having to do it on third down. He's shown he can, but we need to take advantage of the data. And The data tells us, hey, we're good at throwing the football on first and second down. Let's do it then, and let's not continue to try to run the football when it's just not working for us. Maybe it will work better when Aaron Jones is here, but it has not worked that well so far this season. And for the second week in a row, we had a crucial special teams coaching error in week one the Packers had to delay a game on fourth down which led to a more difficult kick for Andrews Carlson which thankfully he made but in week two the exact same thing happened Carlson had a 51 yard attempt but the line can't get set and a delay a game happens and why are you not using your timeouts it's the first half you know in your head hey this five yards if this goes from 51 to 56 yards we are not going to kick this football if that's the case that is totally worth a timeout but they don't now the Packers decide, hey, we're going to punt the ball rather than get the chance at three points. And I hated that decision because if you miss the kick, you're giving the Falcons the ball at the 38-yard line, but instead we give it to the Falcons at their own 20-yard line. So we gained 18 yards of field position but had no chance at points. I would lose those 18 yards and take a chance at the points. And that just, to me, sounds like the wrong decision. And I don't know if Richard Passaccia has a say in those decisions, but like, come on, something has got to change there, especially talking to about Richard Passaccia, Keyshawn Nixon taking out the very back of the end zone twice in this game. Terrible decision because both times he was tackled within the 10 to 20 yard line. When if he simply need the football, the Packers would get to start those drives on the 25 yard line. These types of decisions can't be happening. Coaches should not be allowing it. However, the order of decision-making is happening in green Bay. Those things can't happen. Um, other coaching errors. Jordan Love was sacked on one play early in the game by linebacker Kane Ellis on the second drive. Now, all Kane Ellis is known for is that on obvious passing downs, he's a blitzer. This is on Jordan Love. This is on Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. Hey, they want to send this guy to blitz. And Jordan Love was not prepared for that for any reason. I don't know why, because I knew that. And he slices through between Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins, and that's just bad pregame scouting. That's bad in-game communication. That can't be happening. And so that was one of our only sacks of the game uh, that we allowed. And then Matt LaFleur, I thought, although all those things are true, I think Matt LaFleur did have some, continue to have great play design again in this game. The flea flicker was an awesome way to start this game. As an offensive play caller and designer, I think Matt LaFleur is clearly one of the best with what he's done the last couple of weeks, especially this week without your top four offensive players, no Christian Watson, no David Bakhtiari, no Aaron Jones, no Elton Jenkins, and the Packers still put up 24 points in this game. That's highly respectable if you ask me, but mistakes shouldn't be coming from your coaching. They shouldn't also be coming from your veteran players like Quay Walker and Jair dropping interceptions, Rashawn Gary not staying home on the read, which allowed Desmond Ritter to walk in for a touchdown. Uh, these, These types of mistakes can't be happening, and so it's frustrating when you're already an inexperienced team and now you're seeing coaching errors and you're seeing veteran errors from some of your best players. I do want to highlight some good players in this game, though. One of those players has to be Jaden Reed. He showed off his athleticism a ton in this game and as a slot receiver just played really well. I was very impressed. He was targeted eight times in this game, two touchdowns and also done TV Wicks. He looked pretty good too, as he finished with the touchdown. And I believe drew a pass interference as well. Those guys are starting to look better than the choices I would have made at receiver, but time will tell. We'll continue to watch this. Um, Puka Nakua, though, from the Rams. If you're a fantasy person, you've heard of Puka Nakua at this point. Rams rookie fifth-round pick is setting records over in LA for most yards, most catches over first games ever, which is insane. And I'm kind of mad because of my own mistake, Nakua wasn't even on my board. But looking back, he's very similar to a Romeo Dobbs. You can see the production. I just missed him. I didn't think he was bad. I just didn't ever even really scout him. But he had an elite PFF grade his senior year at 21 years old. He isn't over-athletic overly athletic which is a big deal to me but he hit all the necessary standards to just be athletic enough to make in the NFL this is a talented player who I missed on bad and I'm beating myself myself up over it the PFA grades said he was a good player he had the age on his side he wasn't over athletic but he was passable and he played at a college where he didn't see a ton of targets because of a bad offense overall and that's why I didn't notice him we drafted Don Tevin Wicks Sean Clifford in the fifth round before Puka Nakua was even drafted Uh, And it's just awful to see someone be so productive year one and you missed on them. And that's a huge miss by me. That's a huge miss by our Packers staff as well. Anyways, uh, Josh Myers had one of his better games in a long time and he was just above average, which, but if he can do that all year, that's awesome. We can manage with that for the next year and a half while he's on his rookie contract. That's good production for a rookie contract. Quay Walker had another great day as well. He's really turned it on, has been very impressive so far this season. We did have some notable injuries I want to talk about from this game as well, which is going to hurt our ability to be competitive moving forward. Christian Watson and Aaron Jones were already out with the hamstring injuries. I don't know if they'll be ready this week. In this game, we lost Elkin Jenkins to a knee injury. Thankfully, it looks like just a sprained MCL, which I guess is typically a two- to four-week injury. Royce Newman came in for him, actually was serviceable, which is good to see. Lucas Van Ness also had an elbow injury in this game, which knocked him out, which was a bummer because I liked what I saw from him. Hopefully, we'll get more information on that later this week. The biggest and most notable injury to me was David Bakhtiari. Okay, Obviously, where I was worried he's going to be hurt, but nothing came up in the game or whatsoever in week one that Bakhtiari was injured at all, or that his knee had gotten worse in some way or another but he didn't play in this game and it's hard not to blame the turf for the main reason. Bakhtiari believes the turf is how he first hurt his knee and he has not been able to finish games in the past that were on turf sometimes. So it makes you wonder if Bakhtiari is simply not going to play any games on turf this season to avoid a major re-injury. And that's very difficult to plan around. I agree with Bakhtiari that all fields should be made of grass. hundred percent. Their data tells us that there's more lower body injuries on turf, but for Bakhtiari to sit out of games because of it, That's frustrating because he gets paid the same. And contracts need to be more incentive-laden with players if issues like this are going to continue to come up. Because if Bakhtiari plays in this game, that's easily a two-point swing to help us win this game. If Bakhtiari is refusing to play on turf, that means he won't be playing against the Rams, the Lions game in Detroit, New York Giants, Carolina Panthers, or against the Vikings in Minnesota. So five more games this season Bakhtiari will not be suiting up for and those are five games that without a top all pro left tackle, this Packers team could fall short and lose to something to monitor, but we won't know for sure until we play the Rams in week nine. If he doesn't play this week, then okay. The injury there was real, he re-injured it. That's really, really bad news. Hopefully he does play this week. And if he does play this week, I really believe that this is a turf issue and we're going to see the same thing happen in week nine. I think after this week, you can kind of see where this Packers team is at. I think there are three team tiers of teams in the NFL. Tier 1 is elite. Tier 2 is average. Tier 3 is just terrible. And last week when we played the Bears, we played a terrible Tier 3 team. And mistakes can happen and you can get away from them and still have a big win. This week we played a Tier 2 average team. And while we made a lot of mistakes, we still had a chance to win that thing at the end. But if the Packers right now believe they are capable of beating a Tier 1 team that is capable of winning Super Bowl, I think they would be sadly mistaken based on the mistakes I've seen from this team the last couple weeks. And this Packers team, if they're planning on trying to get to the playoffs, this this loss to the Falcons could could be the difference come the end of the regular season thankfully for the Packers sake they're still tied in the north in the first place as the Vikings are now 0-2 uh, the Bears are 0-2 and the Lions are 1-1 with the loss that Seahawks yesterday so that's all we have today folks if you have not already make sure to subscribe give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always it's always Packers season at Packers now thanks guys